Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, FCC. It's great to see everybody. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, As always, I always like to start off talking about the weather. It's kind of how I get comfortable. It's been uh, decent weather. We had some snow this week. That's crazy. Go from snow to this week's supposed to be in the 80s, so that's Indiana weather for you. Um, also, real quick before I get started, uh, I just want to say a, a, uh, some thank yous to some families, the Bergdahl family, the Kelly family, the McFerrin family, the Payne family, uh, and the Craighead family, because as you saw, um, the people who showed up late had to work their way to the front because they had to, not really because there was any open seats, and those people throughout the pandemic were the people we assigned to be in the front the entire time. So uh, can we just give a real, real thank you to them for the sacrifice they made throughout the entire pandemic? Uh, yeah, so that's my lighthearted intro. But I'm, ex- I'm excited to um, dive into this message. Um, this is our fourth installment of the Heaven series, and I hope you guys uh, have something to take notes on. I always recommend it. I always encourage it. Um, because I always I believe it's really beneficial. Um, helps you helps you um, really process what you learned, and it also helps you remember it. Um, so just kind of through my notes, I've been able to you know just remember what these last three weeks have been about. Uh, if I asked you guys, hey, what did you learn at church last week? You know, there's so often you'll you'll uh, go to lunch just an hour later and you'll say, oh, I forgot, but I knew I really liked the message. Um, so I just kind of wanted to recap these first three weeks. And then jump into the next week. So week one was Easter, if you remember that. And we really talked about um, the empty tomb and the ramifications that has for our lives. Uh, week, week two, we talked a little bit about the misconceptions we have about heaven. Things like, man, am I just going to have a harp and just be sitting around a campfire and spinning, singing Kumbaya the entire time? And that's really not really what God has in store for us. It's something much better than that. Uh, last week we talked about hell and the ramifications that that has and a lot about how, you know, I think a lot of us have a preconceived uh, thought that everybody generically just goes to heaven. Uh, and I, all three weeks, Brandon has said one specific thing. He says one thing very often. And I want, I want to remember that specific thing because I also want to say it today. Um, it's, it's literally the gospel. It's that Jesus, uh, good people aren't the ones that go to heaven. Forgiven people are. That it's not, there's literally nothing we can do to, to measure up to make it to heaven, but it's, it's solely through Jesus and the sacrifice he paid for us that we have the opportunity to spend forever with him. And so my topic today, um, I titled it Heaven Now, is the title of the message. If you're looking for a title, it's Heaven Now. And it's kind of a twofold thing. The first, uh, the first part of the message, I'm going to be talking a little bit more of like a theological and, and deeper kind of understanding of the current state of heaven. And the second half of the message, I'm going to be talking about ways we can apply that to our lives. You might be asking, how can I apply heaven to my life right now? Like, we'll get there. Don't worry. Uh, but the first half, um, I'm going to be talking about a, a couple different things that I hope is really going to spur your joy and spur your excitement on uh, deeper in your relationship with God and encourage you a little bit. But uh, point number one, if you're taking notes, point number one is the location that we call heaven is not where we will live forever. Before you get out your fruits and vegetables to throw at me, let me explain. Uh, the location we call heaven is not where we will spend eternity. Um, I believe that we will spend forever with God, absolutely. But is the location where we would go to right now the same location we'll be at forever? I don't necessarily believe that. Um, 
And I'm just going to give you a real quick verse that kind of talks about this. This verse I'm going to show you is going to be Brandon's verse primarily for next week. So I'm just going to give you a, like a quick, quick verse of it. It's Revelation 21.1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And so what's going on when, when this verse is being re, uh, recited is um, John, one of the 12 disciples, uh, all of the disciples were really killed for their faith. And John, his punishment was he was going to be exiled to an island to suffer for the rest of his days. And on this island, God gave John a vision of the future. And so Revelation can be a really confusing book because, I mean, he's just quickly writing down the things that he's seeing in this vision. And one of the things he sees is a new heaven and a new earth. That The current heaven is not the place where we will spend forever. And so that's my, that's my point I want to make when I, when I say the location we call heaven is not where we'll spend forever. In fact, I think a, um, a good way to describe it is like an airline flight. Um, the best way to describe it is if I was going to Santa Barbara, California for a week, but I had a layover in uh, Dallas, Texas, and you came up to me and you said, where, where are you going? I wouldn't say I'm going to Dallas, Texas. I would say I'm going to Santa Barbara, California. And this is so true in this message because um, if we were to pass away today, and assuming Jesus also didn't come back today, let's say he comes back a year from now, that time we spend in that 365-day period uh, is described in the Bible as paradise. That When you see the word paradise, it's typically talking about the present location of heaven. And I know that can sound really theologically confusing and, and weird and stuff, but, but just bear with me. We're going to read another verse. Uh, this is also John talking about um, his, his vision of present heaven or paradise. And so it's Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Um, when he, Jesus, opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. And so a lot of theologians uh, will use this specific text, because it's talking about the present heaven, uh, to make a lot of theological conclusions. Um, some some maybe things like, well, uh, these it seems like there are still people in heaven. Like, we, we don't just become like some other, some blob. It seems like there's still people in heaven. Um, it seems like they still have some sort of a connection to planet Earth because they're asking about God bringing justice to planet Earth. So they still have some sort of understanding about what's going on. Um, other things that are more confusing, such as uh, they called out in one voice is what it says. And so you might have a question about, like, well, what does that mean? Like, are we all going to just uh, speaking, be speaking in one accord? Are we, like, what's, gonna, what, what's that mean? Um, and the po- my point is, is there's a lot of conclusions that really, really smart theologians can conclude from verses like this that I can't really necessarily conclude uh, just from my understanding. But um, the point is, is there's a lot of rabbit trails, a lot of questions we can ask about heaven. And I'm not necessarily going to be doing a message where I just talk about all these little trails, little rabbit holes we can go down, although I'm not discouraging you from doing that. Because I believe if you study things about heaven, your joy for heaven and your joy for Jesus is going to grow. So I would encourage it. Um, Point number two, if you're still taking notes, uh, is heaven will be perfect. And so before I read this next verse, 
um, I want to just share a conversation I had with Pastor Brandon earlier this week. I was kind of finalizing my notes for this sermon, and I was kind of going through it with Brandon to make sure we were kind of on the same page about what, what to expect. And at the end of the conversation, even when he's not teaching me stuff, he's teaching me stuff. He said, uh, Taylor, there's not like a wealth of information that talks about this topic. Like there's not 75 verses that talks about present heaven or paradise. And so what I want you to do is I want you to dream a little bit with this. And that's exactly what I want, want us to do right here in the second point. Heaven will be perfect. In uh, John chapter 14, Jesus is having a conversation with the 12 disciples. And the disciples are really confused because Jesus is telling them that I'm going away for a little bit. And the disciples don't really quite understand what he means. And this is what he says. In John 14, he says, My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? See, this, the cool part about this verse says, My father has many rooms. The word rooms, if you actually translate the Greek word, it actually means mansions, right? Like we live in houses today, but God's got mansions for us tomorrow. Like the greatest thing you can possibly imagine about heaven isn't even going to skim the surface of what it's actually going to be like. Heaven is going to be perfect. So God wants you to dream. God wants you to be big. I think God didn't put that many verses about it in scripture for a reason, because the best thing we can do is have high expectations for what heaven's going to be like, because it's going to grow our excitement for heaven. It's going to grow our excitement for the Lord, and it's going to encourage us to, to bring that to other people. And so I want you to dream big when you have questions about heaven. Dive deep. Look for it. Look for the answer because it's going to help you grow. Point number three is that we will be with Jesus forever. In, in that same conversation, the very next verse, verse three, Jesus says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. That thing that Brandon says every single week, God didn't. Uh, good people aren't the ones who go to heaven. Forgiven people are. Like, this is just another reminder that Jesus came because he wants us to have a chance to say yes to him. Every single one of us in this room, God has a purpose for. He made us on purpose and for a purpose, and he wants us to spend forever with him. That's what he wants. We'll be with Jesus forever. Point number four, this is kind of the second half of my message, the first half, kind of the theological kind of understanding some principles type thing. But the, the, the second half is the application side of things. Point number four is that we can experience heaven right now. What do you mean by that? In the same conversation, we'll just fast forward a few more verses. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And I really want to focus on that first part. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. But through Jesus, we're going to spend forever with, with him. But also, if you look at the life of Jesus, he really got to experience heaven while he was on earth through some of the things he did. Um, and I want to talk about a few of those principles, a few of those things we can do to experience heaven now. I'm not going to necessarily do it from the lens of Jesus, but these are the three main things Jesus did do. Um, if, you, if you study theology, typically one thing people will tell you to do is when you're, when you're learning about a topic, um, any topic, go back to the very first time where it's really mentioned in Scripture. Go to the first people who really did it. 
And so uh, these principles that Jesus did, I really want to go back and look at angels. Um, and so just bear with me. The, there's really three angels in Scripture that are named. If you look at in the Bible, there's, there's a multitude of angels, but three of them are given names. And they all have different purposes for why they, why they show up in Scripture. The first one is Gabriel. Um, anytime Gabriel shows up in Scripture, it's because he's delivering a message from God. So the tomb is empty. Uh, he tells Mary, you're going to have a baby. Um, anytime there's a message to be delivered from God, Gabriel is the one to do it. The next one is Michael the archangel. Michael, is always, he always shows up when somebody's praying. Um, he always answers somebody's prayer. And so, for example, uh, in, Daniel chapter, in the book of Daniel, uh, he fasted and prayed for 21 days, and he was asking God to show up, and finally Michael shows up on behalf of God. So anytime there's prayer involved, Michael shows up. And then the third one is Lucifer. This is now Satan. He was an angel. He's a fallen angel now. But when he was in heaven, he was known for worship. Um, the book of Isaiah describes him as an instrument. And so normally when you think of an angel, some people think of like a human-looking thing with a white robe and wings and a halo like we saw up here. Uh, some people think of like a really scary thing because the Bible describes angels. Uh, when people encounter them, they're normally terrified when they, when they experience them. Lucifer is described as he looks like an instrument, like, like a musical instrument. Like he has drums for hands, and he's got strings, and he's got like windpipes. That's, that's what Satan is described to look like in the Bible. Um, I'll come back to that point in a minute. Uh, but, but I'm going to focus on that, that third thing. Those three things, if we look at Jesus' life, those are really the three things he did. If we spend time in Jesus' word, we read his message. If we spend time in prayer and we spend time in worship, then we're going we're gonna to experience God in a way we haven't before. Like If we regularly do that, that's when we're going to encounter Jesus. And I want to focus on that third one with Lucifer, talking about um, him and, and worship. Uh, when when uh, Lucifer was being... Uh, kicked out of heaven, God had something to say to him. This is what God said to him. In Ezekiel chapter 28, it says, The Lord says this. He's saying this to Lucifer. You were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom, and you were perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. And this is the, this is the important part. Every precious stone was given to you. And so this is kind of like a, a history lesson. God was saying when he created Lucifer, he gave him these precious stones. Names, I'll read some of them. I don't know them. Maybe some of the ladies in here do. Uh, the stones that were given to you, carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. I don't know. 75% of those diamonds are stones. But those were the stones that God gave him because he was the symbol of beauty. Like his, the worship was the symbol of beauty. It says, your settings and mountings were made of gold, and on that day you created, they were prepared for you. And so I always ask myself questions when I read scripture. I read this, and I thought, okay, well, then Lucifer gets kicked out of heaven. Who took his place? Like, was there another angel who was appointed to take his place? And the answer is no, there wasn't another angel appointed to take his place if we fast forward to Revelation again, where John is having a vision about what heaven, what forever is going to look like, this is what he says in Revelation chapter 21. He's talking about 
um, the, the people who enter heaven, it's going, there's going to be this magnificent, perfect city that we're going to enter. And this is what it says. It says, the foundations of that city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. And it lists the exact same stones that Satan had taken away from him. See, God didn't appoint another angel to take the spot of worship. He appointed us to do that. He gave us a percussion section with our hands and our feet. He gave us a string section to be able to speak and sing and praise. He gave us a wind section with our lungs. Like he created us as instruments to celebrate and worship him. And so those three things, if we spend time in his word, if we spend time in prayer, and if we spend time in worship, we're going to encounter God. And that's what we try to do every single week here at FCC. We cover this service in prayer. I'm going to be praying at the end of the message. We, uh, we spend time singing praises to him because that's how we bring heaven down to us. And we spend time learning his message. We spend time hearing a message about him. But the last thing I want to I share about how do we truly experience heaven other than just this is we're called to be a battery. And I'm going to explain this in a second. These lights back here, these guitars, this piano, everything in this room is tethered to an electrical wire. It's these, everything is connected to this building. And I think too often that's the exact same thing our life is like, that we're tethered to church and we're tethered to an accountability partner. Not that having those is bad. Like I encourage you to have both of those in your life. But if the only source of your spiritual life is coming from church, if the only source of your spiritual life is coming from an accountability partner, we're just tethered to something. And as soon as that goes away, as soon as we can't make it to church, then our spiritual life just goes away. It just dies. It just fades out. It just shuts off. And so we're called to be a battery. We're called to be portable with our faith. That's why doing those three things was so important to Jesus, that every single day he spent time with the Father. It says says all throughout Scripture, he woke up early in the morning to spend time with God because he had a busy day. He would spend time singing. He would spend time praying. He would spend time reciting his word because that's how you encounter God. And so I think whenever we, this is a twofold, this twofold thing, that's point one. Point number two about being a battery is that we're called to be a bigger battery. So I think when we become a Christian, when you say yes to Jesus, it's like we're a AAA battery, this tiny little battery. And it, the Bible describes it as we need spiritual milk. Like when we're a tiny little battery, we need people to come alongside us. We need people to walk with us. We need people to help us understand what verses mean and what scripture means. And we need a pastor to, to have a regular pastor on Sunday. And we need worship and we need all these things. But there comes a time where you need to grow your battery. You need to become a double-A battery. You need to become a car battery. You need to become a rocket battery. I don't know if rockets have batteries. But the point is, is you've been, some of us have been going to a community group or a small group for five years, ten years. And some, some, for some of us, it's time to lead a small group. For some of us, we're comfortable coming to church. But maybe we need to start inviting someone to church. Did you know if it's 75, you're 75% likely to not get a no if you invite somebody to church. You might not be able to get some, them to come that week. But if you ask somebody to come to church, 75% of the time, you will not get a no. Yeah, I'd love to come. I'd ch- I'll check it out. That sounds great. If, if each one of us had one person that we brought next week, we would have to figure out the overflow problem. That would be, that would be a great problem. 
I want to challenge you guys to be a battery this week. I want to challenge you guys to be a bigger battery this week. Ask yourself, how can I go, how can I go deeper in my relationship with God? How can I push myself a little bit further? Because that's how you're going to experience heaven now. Mike uh, and Amber and myself and Brandon and Aaron, we all have peop- uh, areas in the ministry where we would love to have you walk alongside of us. And maybe for you, it's, I don't know, I don't want to be in front of people. I don't want to lead an offering talk. We have a children's ministry who needs volunteers so that children can encounter God. And when we have a children's ministry, we have an overflow of people. We have extra people typically in a week that we don't have children's ministry. Uh, we have Mike who's leading the coffee ministry. And, and Sylvia, she's leading the coffee ministry. Maybe you don't feel comfortable with kids. You can just help serve coffee and serve others in that way. But I want to challenge you guys, whatever it is in your life, maybe it's tithing. Maybe you say, man, I, I don't know, I don't have 10%, but I'm going to give 10% this week because I believe God's going to do something with it. When we, choose to, when we choose to show up and step out in faith and be a bigger battery, that's how we encounter heaven now. And so I'm going to close in prayer, but before I do, can we stand? Because we're going to, we're going to, after that, we're going to spend time in worship. We're going to sing to God, and we're going to celebrate who he is and what he's done for us, and we're going to encounter heaven now. We pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for who you are. God, that you have big, big plans for us in heaven. God, that you want us to dream big. You want us to have high expectations about what heaven's going to be like so that when we get there, we can still be overwhelmed with its beauty. God, I pray that uh, this week we can, we can step out in faith. We can spend time in your word. We can spend time in prayer. We can spend time in worship. We can just sing to you. Uh, God, whether it even maybe just be looking out in nature and, and recognizing how big you are, but whatever it is, God, I pray that we can do those things. And God, I pray that we can make our battery bigger. God, that we can step out in faith and we can do something that's actually going to push us and help us grow. Maybe it's invite somebody to church. Maybe it's talk to Mike about how we can attend one and serve one, whatever it is. I pray, uh, God, that that you'll just show up in our lives if we step out. And God, uh, I'm just so excited for this time now. We're going to spend time in your word, or in your in your presence and just worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.